wow, they're not kidding when they say these lights are bright. Can't really see any of you. <laughs> not, not a bad way to start, though. I've got a uh, question for you, if I can see hands, maybe, maybe not. How many of you are totally ready for Christmas next week? All of your presents are bought, they're all wrapped. <laughs> that is not true in our household. We spent yesterday going to store after store after store, three stores, still can't find that gift. Anyways, it's kind of like that Tickle Me Elmo from years ago. Remember looking for those? Oh. But it just, um, finding that perfect gift. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a commercial running right now. Um, it's a couple, they're walking through the snow and they're having their little Christmas moment and the girl, or the, the man whistles and this little puppy comes running around the corner and the, the girl's face lights up and it's like, oh, the perfect gift. And then she's like, oh, I have something for you. And she whistles and this big truck comes pouring, you know, like the, with the big bow and he, he hugs the truck just like she hugs the puppy. And, um, you know, so many of us are searching for that perfect gift. And the perfect gift is so different based on who you are. I mean, we've got a three-year-old, and for her, the perfect gift is a Barbie doll. That's actually pretty easy to find. But what we found is as our children have grown, the gifts get smaller and much more expensive. Can anybody relate to that? iPods, gift cards, iPhones. Um, they come in little bitty boxes with really big price tags. <laughs> Until I get involved. I like to do the package and a package and a package. Yeah, yeah, that's so they true. at least think they're getting something that's really big. <laughs> yep. So as we were looking, um, oh, and then the perfect gift for moms, of course, I was going to mention. So my perfect gift is a clean house, no laundry, and dinner on the table. <laughs> you don't have to wrap it in a bow. It's also an imaginary gift for all the moms out there. You know that that's not really a thing. One can dream. One can dream. <laughs> so as we were looking through um, this scripture that um, Scott gave us for uh, preaching, we just saw that Jesus is really the perfect gift. And so we're just going to go through this passage and just talk about how he is that perfect gift for us. Yeah, so we're longing for Jesus. That's what the title's been of this series for the last couple of weeks. And sitting in this, wrestling with it, what is it to long for Jesus? This time of year can be so difficult for many of us. We've lost loved ones. You're thinking through how hard this is. Where in your life are you longing for Jesus? Where do you need Jesus to show up today? Because he wants to meet you there today. So Isaiah is the passage that we're going to read. And I want to give you a little bit of history of where Isaiah was. So Isaiah was written about 700 years before Jesus came. So you've got to kind of get that into perspective. 700 years ago, America hadn't even been colonized yet by Europe. This is like the time of the Renaissance so like, this is a long time in between. So this was written, and it's a prophecy that's foretelling what Jesus is going to come and who he's going to be. So that's kind of the context of it. Here's the verse, Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Father, I pray for us this morning that you meet us in these areas that you want to show up in. This is who you are. This is your gift to us. So I pray that you meet us in the depths of our souls as we walk into Christmas week where we're celebrating you coming for us. Not saying far away, but coming for us. 
be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's these four things that Isaiah starts to tease out, and they're really names of God. They're names that Jesus is going to fulfill. You can look at his characteristics as well, because our names, kind of who we are, the names that we can own, I'm a father, because I have my children, I'm a husband, those are some of the names, but they're also characteristics of who we are. So that's what we're looking at here, and what we found was, there's four of these, and as we were studying through it, we realized there is a correlation between the four names that are listed here and a verse that Jesus gives to us later on. Jesus gives us this verse in Mark 12. He says, you are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with a passionate heart from the depths of your soul, with every thought and with all of your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment, he said. And the second is this, you are to love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. So we're going to see today how the four names that were given, the four prophecies over who Jesus was going to be, tie into this verse of how Jesus commands us to love God. So the first one, it talks about um, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And um, the idea of a wonderful counselor is somebody who just gives really good advice. Um, And so we connected that to being the gift of wisdom, um, that Jesus brings us the gift of wisdom. So that's that's that um, mind quadrant. Love the Lord your God with every thought. Um, The question that's kind of inside us when we're in our head, in our mind quadrant, is kind of the how do you know or why is that so? And um, I can say that this is my favorite um, way. I've often said that if I could live from the neck up, I'm definitely all mind. I'm an Enneagram 5. I'm a um, Sacred Pathways intellectual. If you don't know what any of that is, seek out Janelle afterwards. She'll can, she can tell you all about that. But um, basically, I, I think a lot. Um, and that can be good, but it can also get you in a lot of trouble. Um, because our minds can be fickle. Um, and you can hear that in this verse that we're going to read. Um, James 1, 5 through 6. It says, And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you ask empowered by a confident faith, without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute, but doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas, driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. And I think that's the the up and down that can happen in our minds if we don't invite Jesus and his wisdom into our worlds. Um, When we see Jesus as the fulfillment of this wonderful counselor, we can think about the story of him um, at 12 years old in the temple. And they said, you know, they were amazed and astonished by his wisdom. Um, I don't know how many of you have 12-year-olds in your life. That's about a sixth grader. Um, I've had one or two over the years. And they're not exactly usually um, strikingly wise. And so, you know, they have their own their own kind of rhythm and things. And there are times that something pops out and you're like, wow, that that was smart. But, you know, they also do a lot of little foolish middle school things. Um, But that's the age Jesus was when he was in the temple and they were all astonished by his wisdom. 
Um, you know, we see that throughout all of his teachings in the New Testament, just how wise he was. And often when he would share his wisdom, it wasn't always that he would just give you an answer, but he would ask a, question, a follow-up question. And he would make you dig deeper and kind of really get to know. And, um, you know, we, I don't know if you've heard or seen, but we moved over the summer. And so that process has a lot of decisions to make. And you seek out wise counsel. Um, we had a great realtor that we asked lots and lots of questions of. Um, but there were times that conventional wisdom did not match the decision we made. Um, there's one morning in particular that I can think of. Um, we had just listed our house that we were selling on the market. And um, we had been on about a little shy of 48 hours in a time where we should have been seeing lots and lots of showings. We had priced really aggressively. And we were not getting showings. And our realtor recommended maybe we should already consider a price decrease, um, a price reduction, because we, we had a timeline that we had to hit and we really, really needed to get under contract. Um, she called, Joel and I discussed, and God kind of laid it on our hearts, no, don't change the price. Don't lower it. Trust where you're at. I've got this. We're going we're gonna to get through it. And we were under contract 24 hours later. I mean, literally less than four showings and under contract at asking price. So, you know, he was that wonderful counselor. But I, I think the thing that can get confusing a lot of times is when you talk about how does God speak to you? And it wasn't a thus saith the Lord. I mean, we weren't sitting there having this conversation and like Daniel, there was writing on the bedroom wall of keep the, the house price. You know, that, that's not the, the way wisdom um, always comes, especially in this day and age. It's much more of just that peace or those open doors that you just kind of keep walk through. In Psalms, he talks about, thy word is um, a, light into, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And that's just like one step at a time. You know, we're not, we're not seeing six months down the road. We're just taking the next step. And so that's kind of the wisdom that God offers. Um, the other verse here we're going to read is Colossians 2, 2 through 3. And it says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, so that's really how do you know? How do you know what you're supposed to do? What's next? We can rely on Jesus to be that wonderful counselor. The second gift that we're going to look at this morning is the gift of strength. As we're going through our verse in Isaiah, it talks about how Jesus is the almighty God. And the question that we've been pondering as we look at this is, it's an age-old question. It's the question of, do I have what it takes? When the storms come, am I going to be strong? Do I have what it takes? Because we're still called to love God with all of our strength. So what does that look like? We see that so many times in Scripture. Jesus showed up in strength. If you just read through, for those of you going through the reading plans, you're getting ready to see how many times Jesus showed up in strength. We see it when Jesus was tempted. Jesus was taken away for 40 days and Satan himself tempted him. I can get myself in enough trouble without it actually being Satan on call. Like, but Jesus was tempted and he remained strong. Why? Because he was connected to the Father. He stayed connected to God. He abided in him so much 
that even Satan himself and all of his, like all of his temptations, Jesus was able to be in that storm and say, no, I know where I need to be. I can be re- resolute. I can be strong. We also see this when Jesus was in the boat. Scott talked about it a couple weeks ago. So Jesus is taking a nap in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. When we were in Israel, I think I've told this story before, but man, I really wish when we were on that boat that the storms would have just come. (laughs) Because I'm an experiential guy. I like that feeling of like, what would this have felt like? To kind of like get, and everyone else was like, stop. Like if it starts rocking, like I'm going to throw up. Like they're freaking out. But what did Jesus show in his strength there? He was not afraid The disciples came to him terrified, thinking they were going to die. Jesus, wake up, wake up. What does Jesus do? He stands up and he commands the waves and the winds to obey him. Jesus is the almighty God. And the last place that I really want to highlight for where Jesus fulfilled this. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Christmas week, such a fun week. This is the week that's going to give us what we get when we get to Easter. Because Jesus had to come as the baby so that he could leave as the Savior. Jesus, that week when he was tempted, even being in the garden, where he was so distraught over this decision, he knew what God was calling him to do. He's sweating blood. But he had the fortitude, he had the strength, he had the connection with God to be able to get through that. Jesus showed up as the Almighty God. Then we see Paul. He wants to highlight a bunch with verses there. 1 Corinthians 1.18 It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. My unbelieving friends, people that don't follow Christ, this time of year can sometimes feel like a fairy tale. Some baby came down from God and God got a girl pregnant and It can just feel like something that's made up. To them, it may be foolishness. But the verse ends, it says, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross is the power that we can stand in, the power of God. And then Ephesians 1, 16 through 20. says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. This is Paul writing to those in Ephesus. Remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. That's what we just talked about. I pray, though, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, in order that you may know the hope. Sorry. Riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is where it gets good. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in his heavenly realms. God wants us to feel that strength. The same power that it took to raise Christ from the dead He freely gives to you and me today. So what's that area that you need some resolute strength in? Where do you feel so overwhelmed and so burdened and it feels so heavy where you need to be able to connect to God and say, God, I can sit in this. I can be in this hard situation. Because for me, when we've done different exercises in the past, Scott's had us 
write different things on name tags that are kind of identifying who we are. The, the negative name tag that I like to put on is that I'm not enough, that I haven't done enough. It's this message that kind of just negatively repeats in my head. And I have to sit with it and say, can I do hard things? Jesus, can you be with me enough in this hard situation where I can have some resolution? Where I can have that fortitude that I need to get through this? When my mom was going through her cancer. When friends and other ones lose jobs. Life can be impossible at times, but the gift that God gives us in this is that Jesus fulfilled this promise. 700 years before, they said he's going to be the almighty God. And Jesus showed up on the scene and he was that. So Joel mentioned those um, name tags and part of that um, answers that question, who am I and do I belong? Um, and this ties into the, the next name um, that we see in the Isaiah verse, and that would be um, Everlasting Father. We connected the idea of Everlasting Father with the gift of identity. Um, it answers that question that's deep in our soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Who am I? Where do I belong? How do I fit into this world? And the idea of fatherhood is really, when you think about it, how, how we all first um, know our identity. As soon as um, you know, you're expecting, oh, that's a baby Dennis um, that's coming, and, and it's the, the name of the father that is passed on from generation to generation. Um, when a child's being adopted, they become part of the family when they take on that last name, and that's through the father. And um, you know, I had the thought as we were studying, I wonder what Jesus' last name may have been. And, you know, all of our last names often um, historically came from what, maybe what our fathers did, and maybe he would have been Jesus Carpenter, or he might have been Jesus Josephson, or I even thought maybe Jesus Davidson, because he was of the line of David. Um, but the tribes of Israel was a really um, important thing, and still is to this day. He was part of the tribe of Judah, and belonging to a tribe and being part of a family is a really big part of identity. And the way that, um, you know, we think of Jesus as God's son, and he definitely is and was, and we often think of him as son, but it also talks about how um, Jesus and the Father are one. I'm going to read this scripture where it connects um, Jesus as also being our Father. So it says uh, in John 10, 24 through 30, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, for I and the Father are one. And that just really connects the idea of Jesus as the Father figure as well. Like, he, we are the sheep um, under Jesus. And that idea of identity and fatherhood, um, 
you know, I, I, the, the, the story I was going to share here is that um, my father passed away about 24 years ago, but I still have identity as, as his daughter. And, you know, that doesn't ever go away. The gift that happens here in Scripture is that he is our everlasting father. And we don't have to worry about whether our father is here physically or not. We are eternally, um, once we choose to follow Jesus, we're eternally with him. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him. And there's just that, that connection, that belonging, that we are part of that family, and it answers that deep inner longing of who am I and where do I belong. Um, it really gives us identity that can give us security and once we know whose we are, it doesn't, doesn't really matter um, what the world thinks of us. Yeah, it really takes away that comparing game we were talking last week about. If I'm so worried about who I belong to or do I fit in, then I'm not really able to be who I am because I'm so worried about what do other people think about me. But if I can rest in that reality of I am God's. I am a child of God. I can breathe a little bit easier. That leads us into our fourth gift. The fourth gift this morning is the gift of peace. It says it right in Isaiah that he is the Prince of Peace. How many of you have had any stress this month <laughs> in December? Anybody? Anybody else? Just us? <laughs> Last week, we literally had a performance or a basketball game at to be for our kids every night of the week. It was like, in some, it was racing between, like, how are we going to feed the kids out of the crock pot? Like, this can be a crazy time of year, right? And I keep, I'm so dumbly optimistic. I'm like, babe, like, things are going to slow down. <laughs> like, here in a month or two, like, it's just going to slow down. And 12 years later, it's like, why is the accelerator on like fall? Like we are going for it. What's the question we're looking to, to answer here? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the question that we were kind of wrestling with around this is, am I safe? Because if I want to know the peace of Jesus and to be able to rest in that, then I've got to wrestle through that question. Like, am I safe? One of my favorite stories, and Scott tells it too, but is when C.S. Lewis wrote about this idea of safety. How many of you know The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? You know that story a little bit? So he wrote this story, and in that, they're talking about the great king Aslan. Aslan, which is, he's, I mean, it's just parallel for God, like as Lewis is writing this. They're talking about it, and the four kids are, are rushing, and they're trying to get away from the witch. And they come across this family, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they're trying to keep them hidden. So they're down in their house. And they're talking about, well, you've met Aslan? Well, what is he like? And they want to know all about him because it's just kind of this mysterious figure. It's like, I wish we knew who he was. And one of the kids says, Are you, if you know him, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver chuckles. And he says, safe? No, he isn't safe. But he's good. And I'm aware that there's plenty of times where I want it to be easy and I equate that to safe. But I can be in a treacherous situation and be safe. I can be safe. The disciples were safe in the boat, even though they didn't realize it. They were safe in that boat. 
Because one of the things I like to share with my friends who don't believe in Jesus, why do you believe in Jesus? What's that all about? One of the best testimonies that I can give is my reality that I can feel peace even when the world is chaos, even when things that are hard are happening. I can still feel that peace. Why? Because Jesus gave me that gift. And I want others to be able to experience that peace as well. I want them to be able to calmly know that they are safe because of Jesus. Where did we see Jesus fulfill this? We saw it, I mean, in the boat. Because it didn't feel safe there, but he calmed that storm. The other place where I really was hit this week, as we were looking for these examples of where Jesus were you, the Prince of Peace. And at one point, there's a woman who comes to Jesus, and everyone knows that this woman's a little shady. She knows, they know that, that who she is, she should not be near Jesus because they were worried about perceptions at times. Jesus, if you're with this woman, it may cause rumors because of who she was and her identity. But she came to him with some very expensive perfume and she gets down in front of him and starts washing his feet with this perfume. The disciples are getting mad. Why are you, like, we could sell that and like, we could do so much better stuff with that. But Jesus saw her and knew that what she needed in the moment was that. So she starts washing his feet with this perfume and she's cleaning it and drying it with her hair. Complete humility and in awe of who he is. And Jesus' response to her was incredible. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The gift that he offered her in that moment was peace. You can be in peace because your faith has saved you. You're not bound and you're not caught up with everything that you're known to be known as. Your past does not define who you're going to be. So if you're struggling with, well, but if you really knew what I've done, if you really knew who I was, know that Jesus comes to you. When you come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I want to walk with you. Jesus comes to you and says, your faith has saved you. Go and experience that peace. And we do, we see it all through scripture. We see it in Romans. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Colossians 3, and above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When it's chaotic and it's stirring and you don't know what to do, my friends, I encourage you to slow down and connect to God. Connect to the Prince of Peace and have him help you get through this. And then in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now, the may, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. This feels like that fairy tale to me at times where it's like, yeah, I'll just have peace at all times. But the reality is when I stop and when I connect to God and I know who he is, I can experience that peace. We have two final gifts that we wanted to talk through. And the next one is the gift of salvation. 
those of you that are hearing this, maybe for the first time, if you're online or here, and you've never given your heart over to God. Scott mentioned the other day, you've never given your keys to your life over to God. Today can be that day. He wants to give you all of these things. He is almighty. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you peace. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We celebrate Christmas for this reason, that Jesus came down to earth. He didn't stay far away. He came down as a baby. The ultimate rescue story. But he didn't come just to be a baby. He also came to fulfill the other parts of Scripture that says he's going to be a Savior. If you don't understand what this peace is that I'm talking about, you're always in turmoil. Or if you can't quite grasp how and understand why things happen the way they did, you need that wisdom that comes from God. Don't leave here today without praying someone and inviting Jesus in to give you these gifts. Because he wants you to have these gifts. And the best news of all is that um, that gift of salvation is not the end of the story. Salvation is the gateway into a whole lifelong journey with God. He doesn't just want to save us and then go sit back in heaven. He wants to abide with us and walk with us and have relationship day by day by day. He's as close as your breath. Once he's with you, he's with you at the grocery store, in the car line at school, sitting at your cubicle at work. He never leaves us. He's always with us, and he's always accessible to us. And all we have to do is ask, and he's right there with us. In John 15, 13 through 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. He was our friend and he laid down his life for us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. What a wonderful, perfect gift that not only do we have the gift of salvation, but we have the gift of friendship and relationship with Jesus, that we can walk fully in that um, abiding, um, the strength of knowing who we are and whose we are. In John 15, 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that's his, his call to us. His call is, abide with me, be with me. He's always available. He's always ready. He's always waiting. It's often us that um, are distant and think, I'm not good enough. I haven't earned this. But that's not how Jesus approaches us. That's, that's not the gift of relationship with him. So in that verse in Isaiah, it talks about the four characteristics or names of God that we sing a lot at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And we just saw how well that overlays with love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. At the beginning of the year, Kristen, in one of her messages, read to us a liturgical passage. And what I'd like to do is something similar. This isn't liturgy, but... um, So what I'd like you all to do is close your eyes, put your feet flat on the ground, and just breathe this in as a gift. Oh, my friend, if you could only know how loved you are, like feel it deep, deep down in your bones. I want you to be saturated in this truth, fully alive and walking in it. I want you to know how much the maker of the heavens and the earth rejoices in you. If you could only hear the sweet melody he sings over you. He formed the most beautiful landscapes He hung the sun and the moon, and he made you from the dust of the earth. He breathed life into you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He had a great plan for your life before he laid the foundations of the earth. Oh, my friend! You are made for so much more than the here and now. You were made for eternity. You were made to live in communion with the one who knit you together, just so. You are loved, so loved. I want to yell it from the mountaintops. I want to press this truth deep in your hearts. You are loved far more than you could ever imagine with a love greater than we could ever comprehend. These are not just words, my friends. This is the truth. You are a treasure held in the hands of the one who made you. You are his prized possession. You may have pain. I see that you have cried many tears. You may not understand who he is or why you have suffered, but I want you to know that he has a plan for you. He is not the one who caused your pain. He is the one who is calling you above your pain, calling you to come to him and find true rest, to find hope and healing, and to step into the fullness of life. He is calling you from the darkness to step into a new dawn 
calling you out from all that you know because he is the safest place to land, the most loving hand to hold, the greatest hope to find, and his name is Jesus. And he wants every piece of your heart. Oh, sweet friend, he is chasing after your heart right now, right this very minute. He wants to be your God. He wants you to find the love that you have been searching for to be that perfect gift. Don't be afraid. He has called you by name. You are his, my friend. Above all else, you are his. Even if you don't know it right now, trust me when I say, you are his. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we come to you today and trust in the four names of who Isaiah said you were going to be that you are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace who wants relationship with us. Thank you so much for being the perfect gift. Amen.